Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are recap of the guys' NCAA men's basketball conferences games of the week from last week, plus their predictions for the biggest games in the final week of college basketball. March Madness is right around the corner, so who is in and who is out? NBA All-Star festivities are this weekend. Who is taking home the hardware in the skills competition, three-point contest, and dunk contest? The guys look back on their early season predictions from the NBA from our first episode. J.J. Watt finds a new home in Arizona. And finally, the NHL is almost at the halfway point in the season. The guys examine the big trade the Blue Jackets made early on. With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cal. Hey, thanks, Colton. Welcome, everybody. We're here again on a Wednesday night in beautiful central Ohio. Uh, we're going to start out with our um, conference picks this week. Colton, we'll flip it back to you and... Uh, Give us your recap from your uh, one of your conferences, and then also give us your uh, pick of the pick of the week. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my game in the SEC, where I completely bombed this pick. <laughs> um, it was number six Alabama versus number twenty Arkansas. Uh, and honestly, I, 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 if I had to go back, I'd be taking Arkansas in this game because now Arkansas is like the hottest team in the yeah. SEC right now. So they're all the way up to twelfth now in the new ranking. So right. it's uh, yeah, a, a strange season, but. Uh, you know, Alabama just didn't shoot the ball very well from the floor, uh, shot about 38%. So just, uh, you know, down from their average of about 44%. So they had 16 turnovers. Um, they had 32 fouls, 32 fouls as a team. That's Three awful. of their starting five fouled out of this Jeez. game. And it didn't go to overtime, fellas. This wow. this was regular, you know. Yeah, we're used to seeing Alabama put about put up, put up some big numbers. Yeah. So, you know, they, the, the they final, yeah. Final score of that was 81 to 66 and uh, yeah, 32 fouls from that Alabama Crazy. team. Um, we were just talking about them being a two or a one seed. Yeah. They're just yeah. Falling down quick on that. Yeah. yeah and no uh, you know, Arkansas, uh, on the other hand, they played some real stout defense. Um, they had 11, 11 blocks as a team um, up from their average of about five. So almost double their average there. And uh, like I said, 32 fouls, that means Arkansas shot 43 free throws. Ooh. Now, this game could have gotten a little bit more ugly than it did, considering that Arkansas only shot about 60% from the free throw oh, line. Fundamentals, so, come on, So, guys. you know, Arkansas really could have blown this one wide open, but, uh, you know, they, they did just enough. Though All those fouls finally started to add up, and uh, Arkansas got the W81-66. I got this one wrong, so 0 for 1 right there. All right. What's your pick of the from the SEC this week? Uh, so my SEC pick this week, I got uh, LSU versus Missouri. That game is um, actually on Saturday, um, and neither one of these two teams are ranked. Um, LSU coming into the contest at fifteen and eight, ten and six, fourth in the SEC. Missouri fourteen and seven, seven and seven, sixth in the SEC. And uh, yeah, Missouri is really taking a hit here. Um, I know when we were talking our, you know, the committee's picks, you know, a week or so ago. Uh, Missouri was sitting there on the four line, and right. you know, yeah. ever since then they they've kind of fallen apart here. We so, them. <laughs> um, you know, I, I expect this one to be a slugfest. Um, LSU scoring about eighty-one points a game. You know, good for second in the conference. And uh, you know, Missouri they uh, they don't score as much, but they give up about seventy-two points per game. And mm. uh, LSU gives up even more. They give up about seventy-eight points per game. So, I'm expecting this one to be pretty high scoring. Um, I'm going to take uh, LSU to win to win this game. They they get a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, they they shoot a, a high percentage from from two points, so they're looking to get some pretty pretty easy easy looks. 
and uh, you know if they can't can't convert those, they're there to get the rebounds and get some uh, easy looks that way. So I'm taking uh, LSU in the battle of the Tigers. I'm taking LSU. All right, very good, Matt. You want to give us uh, your recap from the Big Ten and then your pick of the week? Yeah, absolutely. So in the Big Ten last week, I had the game was uh, let's see, we had number nine Iowa traveling to number three Michigan. And uh, I'll have to say I pat myself on the back on this one. I picked it correct. <clears throat> I picked uh, I picked Michigan to beat Iowa for the simple fact that when Luca Garza plays against a big that plays tough against him and makes him work hard on both ends, he doesn't play well. Uh, and in this game, it was no different. Hunter Dickinson played played him up hard, and uh, Garza had to work on both ends. And Garza was held to 16 points for the game. He's averaging almost 28 for for the season. So wow. that was yeah. that was a bad game for him. And, and uh, the Wolverines just ran away with this one, 179 to 57. Yeah, they. Uh, you're right about uh, making him play at both ends. I noticed, I don't know, it was maybe eight minutes into the game, and he was he was sucking wind. Garza was sucking wind already. Yeah. They were they were making him work to get open, banging him on the down low, trying to get open, and then making him guard out on the perimeter on the defensive end. So, yeah, yeah they had him gassed pretty early. Yeah, I think that's one thing that he's going to have to work on to really be elite at the next level is, is getting in better conditioning yeah. and shape, I think, uh, to be able to, you know, because everybody's that size in the NBA. Right. So, right. you know, he's going to have to work, you know, that much harder in the NBA. So, for sure, that's something that, you know, is kind of a knock on him that he's going to have to improve to get better at the next level. All right, how about your pick for this week, Matt? Yeah, real, real quick before this week, though, I do want to say Iowa did quickly redeem themselves in their next game. <laughs> they tra <laughs> traveled to Columbus and just beat the snot out of the Buckeyes, and yeah. Gar Garza played probably one of his best games of the year. Right, so right. There, there, there was no uh, bad taste left in their mouth. They, they rebounded and came back out and played great. So uh, for, for this week, though, I got probably the biggest game in the Big Ten this week and one of the biggest games for seedings, I think, this week. We have uh, Illinois traveling to uh, Ohio State. Um, and I, I say this is one of the biggest games for seeding because I think the Buckeyes are still – they still have an outside shot at staying on that two-to-one line, and uh, Illinois is on that one line right now. So I think that this game could potentially flip-flop the two. I think the winner takes the, takes the last number one seed. Uh, so Illinois for the season is averaging 81 points a game to the Buckeyes 77.2 points per game. Uh, Illinois shooting – 49.9% uh, from the field to the Buckeyes, 46.3%. Illinois shooting three-pointers at a rate of 38.3% to the Buckeyes, 36.4%. So these teams are teams are pretty close on paper. Uh, I, I think big matchups to watch are the Kofi Coburn and EJ Liddell for the Buckeyes. And uh, then if if he's back, Io DeSumo and uh, Dwayne Washington. Uh, like I said, Illinois is coming off that dominating victory over Michigan the other night, and wow. uh, they, they look great doing it even yes, without the Soma. Absolutely. So, uh, so I don't I don't know. The Buckeyes are coming off a three game losing streak, and I, they know they need this. So I I feel I feel like uh, they're going to have a little sense of urgency about them. I, I think the Buckeyes are going to pull out a close game in this one. Getting them in Columbus too, I think that yeah. helps. Yeah, I bit. think that's yeah, going to be pretty key. Getting back to their roots at home and uh, you know being able to play at home and even without the fans, I think you just feel more comfortable in your own yeah. stadium. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the big question is can uh, they keep that Kofi Coburn in uh, check? Because last game against Michigan, he just absolutely tore it up oh, on both ends yeah. of the floor. He is a he is a big man in the middle. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, Braden, give us your. Uh, Pick of the or your recap from the Pac-10 last week or Pac-12 last week, and then uh, your game of the week this week. Yeah, last week there wasn't much to say. I had a uh, 19 USC versus Colorado, who was unranked at the time, and Colorado just took off with it from the start. They ended up winning 80 to 62, and obviously I chose this one wrong. <laughs> Col Colorado had an off like a just a red hot start. 
ended up pouring in 12 threes to finish it off at the end of the night to compared to USC's two threes total. <laughs> Colorado's point guard also dished out a season high 14 assists. And honestly, USC just looked completely awful on both sides of the floor. They were just not able to run the court at all. They weren't able to get back and get defensive positioning. It was just a bad game to watch. And then uh, this week I have the Red Hot Ducks who are on a four-game winning streak. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> versus a 17-6 uh, and six UCLA team. The game's actually been rescheduled three times before, and they're finally getting this one in. But uh, a star pair of Duarte and Omarui are uh, looking to keep the Ducks rolling tonight. UCLA is coming off a tough loss against 24 Colorado, who's now also starting to heat up a little bit. UCLA also has a very balanced scoring attack, five guys over double digits, so they're definitely kicking the ball around a lot. However, I just think Oregon's on this uh, four-game win streak. They've looked unstoppable so far, at least in the Pac-12. So uh, I think they're going to make it five straight. So that's my pick. All right, very good. I'll uh, give you mine from the ACC. The, I had the Louisville versus Duke game last week, and uh, I picked Duke to win this one. I was wrong. I'm uh, one and three so far in my picks, but I, I do feel pretty good about this game. Um, my pick in this game one, it did go to overtime. Louisville had to go to overtime to beat Duke. And I told you the keys to the game were going to be Carly Jones and Matthew Hurt, and they both lived up to their billing. Matthew Hurt scored 37 points, seven rebounds, God. zero turnovers. Carly Jones, 25 points, six rebounds, four assists, zero turnovers. I think what hurt Duke in the overtime play was they got away from going to Matthew Hurt. He didn't get as many touches. I didn't think that he needed to have in the overtime period, and uh, Duke wound up losing 80 to 73. Yeah. Is that going to be the loss that cost them a chance at the tournament? Uh, <laughs> they, lost, they lost again last night in overtime, yeah, they too. Lost, and, lost uh, another game last they're, night. They're, they're, they're getting on thin ice here with yeah, the inner out. They're going to have to make a run deep in the AC, ACC tournament, yeah. I think, to yeah. turn this season around for them. They got – one game left at home against North Carolina, uh, but or North Carolina's not a ranked team. I mean, they've been playing better, but even if they beat North Carolina, I don't think that gets them in. Like I said, they're going to have to make a deep run in the tournament to get to get on the get into top sixty four teams. Yeah, my pick for this week in the ACC um, is number twenty one Virginia going to Louisville. That game's on Saturday on ESPN two at four o'clock. Again, um, there's going to be. Some key to, keys to this game. Louisville lost their one of their big men in that game against Duke. Uh, he was only back for his third game. Six eleven senior captain Malik Williams. Um, he's uh, foot injury took him back out of the. And I think um, with him not having his size in the middle, I think the two big men from Virginia, Jay Huff and Hauser, will have. I think it's going to be a block party for Jay Huff. He's averaging two and a half blocks a game. Look for, look for him to go for about five blocks, I'd say, in this game because they're going to have to, they're going to, have to create. Uh, Carly Jones, again, is going to be the key for Louisville. But I'm going to give Virginia the edge in this game in a close one. But uh, I think with the defense and the two big men, Virginia plays awesome defense. They're only giving up about 59 points a game. So uh, Virginia in a close one. Yeah, and I'm going to wrap up our segment here uh, with my uh, pick from last week from the Big 12 and then, you know, my new game this week. Um, so my pick uh, from last week, you know, thank goodness that this game even happened. Um, you know, this this game has been scheduled, rescheduled, I don't know, six different times at this point. And, uh, you know, glad that it did because it lived up to the hype. You got Great number, game to watch. number 10, uh, West Virginia, and number two, you know, Baylor. And uh, at the time when they played, it was actually number six, West Virginia, number three, Baylor. So you know, top two teams in the Big 12 going at it, went to overtime, 
you know, West Virginia was pretty, it was kind of a back and forth battle. West Virginia was kind of uh, in control late, but uh, Baylor found a way to, to get it to overtime. And, you know, the overtime was the difference. Uh, Baylor took it 94 to 89. Uh, West Virginia, 28 of 32 from the free throw line, you know, not, you know, Love to see you that. know, a lot, a lot of free throws, but just still not enough to, to, to get it done. You know, they didn't play enough defense because Baylor shot fit almost 51% from the field as a team. So, you know, that, that that's including twos, threes, everything. So the defense just wasn't there. And, you know, I've kind of said that all year about West Virginia. This is, this just isn't a typical, you know, Bob Huggins type of defensive team. Um, so, you know, you knew they were going to give up some points. Baylor can score, you know, a lot of points. They're first in the in the Big Twelve in, in points. Their big, you know, big star Jared Butler had twenty five points for them. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I, went I, re- I redeemed myself. I actually got one right. You know, <laughs> so I went I went one and one. You yeah. know, from our games last week. And uh, then for this week, I got uh, you know that this game is happening tomorrow at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, it's number seventeen Oklahoma State versus that same number three Baylor team. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma State's coming in. They're, they're pretty hot right they're now. Playing good. And uh, they got a star freshman, Cade Cunningham, who's probably yeah. the number one pick in next year's draft. I mean, he's risen to the top here in the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, he's definitely lifting up to really, the He's really, really setting himself apart here. Uh, he's averaging almost 20 points a game, uh, six and a half rebounds, and he's shooting about 85% from the free throw line, Jeez, nice. get, getting about, you know, six – six free throws a game. So, you know, he's trying to, you know, not only shoot the ball well, but, you know, try to get some easy buckets, you know, easy points too. So got to take care of the basics. You know, Oklahoma State's coming in 17 and six, 10 and six, uh, fourth in the big 12, you know, Baylor 19 and one, 11 and one first in the big 12. Uh, both these teams like to score uh, Baylor, almost 80 points a game sitting at first in the conference, Oklahoma State 76.1 third, third in the conference. So, you know, both these teams like to like to put it up on the scoreboard. I think the difference for me is is Baylor plays defense. They they really you know are are set on playing defense. Uh, they lead the league in steals, nine point three steals per game, and they and they do a good job of not only getting those steals but then converting those you know turnovers into points. Um, so for me, uh, these two teams met uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, yeah, about a month ago, uh, Baylor took it eighty one to sixty six. I'm saying Baylor gets the season sweep. They they win again this this week against Oklahoma State. See, now I wanted to mention something before you made your pick. Might Baylor sit some guys? I mean, they just clinched the conference the other night. They they don't need this really for much of anything. Right. Could they rest some players? Yeah, it could be could be an interesting thing to to pay attention to. That's uh yeah, good insight there, Matt. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not hearing anything right now, but uh, you know, could could possibly be there. I, I don't see that the Baylor team being like they seem like a very team oriented kind of kind of team no no kind of individual or you know one better than than the other and uh, they're kind of a veteran team so I, I I think they're gonna they're gonna play they, they still have a lot to play I mean they still have a lot to play for with that number one seed you know I think with, with one loss or what one or two losses on the season that that's locked in you, you don't you don't know yeah, you don't know sitting at that you, number you three know. spot you don't know if somebody's gonna jump them yeah you don't know what the committee's thinking or you know late season losses typically don't don't hurt don't help you so no. Right. I think they still have some stuff on the line, so still got I, something to play for. I maybe. think Baylor's gonna gonna play all their players and uh, yeah, take take this one. All right, very good. Well, let's go into um, some awards from our NCAA basketball conferences. Braden, we'll let you start us out. Give us some, give us your picks from your your conference. Who you think is going to win Coach of the Year, Player of the Year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year? 
just just some just give us a rundown of who you think the best in in your conference. Yeah, to start out with the coach of the year from the Pac-12, I had Andy Enfield from USC. They were 19 and six this year. They've really developed a great freshman in Evan Mobley, though. That's why I think he's most deserving of it. Uh, they have lost a couple key games to Colorado throughout the year, but they, with what they have and what and considering what they lost last year in the draft, I think he's done a heck of a job. He, only losing six games and one game away from 21 season. And then for my play of the year, I actually have Evan Mobley. He's averaging 16.4 points per game right now, 8.5 rebounds, 2.8 blocks, and I think that's a key uh, tidbit right there. That's good stats. Yeah, he's a true stretch forward. He can truly handle it. He can shoot it. He can do everything. And then uh, my most improved from uh, my team, Oregon, I have Chris Duarte. He's a sophomore. He's averaging uh, 17.6, so right around 18 points a game. And then last year as a freshman, he was only averaging 11 points per game. He wasn't really a major contributor last year at all on offense or defense. But this year he's leading the team in points per game, and he really is the key piece on both ends of the floor. And then to finish it off for my defensive player of the year, again, I have to go with that Evan Mobley. 2.8 blocks. He's leading the – leading the Pac-12 in blocks per game, and he's also rated in the top 15 in, nation in defensive efficiency. I mean, as a freshman, he's really showing that he's well-developed and he's living up to the hype after being a five-star recruit. All right, very good. Um, my ACC Coach of the Year was a tough one because I'll tell you what, I think the ACC's been a disappointment this year. There's yeah. some teams that are really underperforming from uh, preseason hype. So it was tough for me to pick an ACC coach of the year when you have a conference that's underperforming. But going through the stats, I picked uh, Clemson's uh, Brad Brownwell. Um, Clemson, he's his 11th seasons with uh, 11th seasons with Clemson. They were a team that went um, 16 and five or 16 and 15. I'm sorry, 16 and 16 and 15 last year in the overall 9-11 in the ACC conference. And right now they're sitting at 15 and five, nine and five in the ACC. So Clemson's head coach is my pick of the coach of the year. ACC player of the year, two guys I already talked about tonight, I think are in the running, Carly Jones, Matthew Hurt. Dukes uh, has won this award. A player from Duke has won this award three years in a row, dating back to 2018, Marvin Bagley, 2019, Zion Williams, and 2020 was Trey Jones. I think Carly Jones from Louisville is going to break that streak this year, and he's going to get. And he's on that. He's been named to the Naismith midseason watch. So there are some other people besides me that's noticing what he's doing. Uh, my defensive player of the year, I had to go with uh, Jay Huff from Virginia. Virginia is a team overall that plays great defense, and he's a leader on that defensive squad with two and a half blocks a game. So I had to go with Jay Huff from Virginia. Yeah, and then uh, I'll take uh, the Big 12 here, run through the awards here for the Big 12. Uh, player of the year, it's got to be Jared Butler from from uh, Baylor. Uh, like I mentioned in, you know, my picks, you know, from last week, he's he's really tearing it up for him. He's kind of that that veteran presence for him, averaging almost 17, almost 18 points a game, shooting 43.5% from three-point land, um, and also doing it on the defensive end, too, getting about two two and a half steals a game, so – uh, for me, he's he's doing it all for Baylor. He, he's kind of that, you know, driving force for the Baylor Bears. So I'm going with him for the player of the year. Coach of the year, I know everybody's going to say, you know, the coach from Baylor. But, uh, you know, if you remember, this same Baylor team was pretty good and had high aspirations of winning the national championship last year. The same team more or less came back this year. So, you know, you knew that they were going to be, were going to be good. So for me, coach of the year, 
I'm going with Bob Huggins. Uh, he's, he's done a phenomenal job uh, in Morgantown this year. Uh, coached him all the way up to a number six ranking, uh, sitting at 17 and seven, 10 and five in the conference, and they're sitting at second in, in the Big 12. So, um, you know, I got to go with Bob, all right. old Huggy Bear there. Been uh, around a long time. No yeah. Kidding. Uh, most improved, I got Austin Reeves, the guard out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's averaging about 19 points a game, uh, up from about 14 last year. So, uh, you know, he's improved his, his numbers this year, uh, kind of taking on a more of a veteran leadership role with, with the Sooners. Uh, that, that Oklahoma team is playing pretty well, so I'm going with Austin Reeves. And then uh, finally, Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going with uh, Davion Mitchell from Baylor. He's averaging about almost two steals a game, which is good for second in, uh, in the conference. Uh, as a player, and uh, his, his defensive rating is about about a, almost a perfect 100. So uh, he, he's you know sitting there at, at seventh in the conference in that, and then uh, you know defensive plus minus uh, 3.7. So he, he's doing it on the defensive end. He's but he can also contribute on the offensive end as well. But he's uh, you know a defensive stopper, you know real scrappy guard. So I like him to take home that award. I, I missed my most imp- ACC most improved player of the year. I I apologize, but I had Moses Wright. A senior from Georgia Tech. This kid is just playing real. His numbers across the board have improved from last year. Last year he was only averaging 13 points a game. This year he's getting 18. Picked up his assist from less than one last year to uh, about two and a half this year. Picked up his three point percentage. uh, Cut his turnover. So uh, senior Moses Wright from Georgia Tech. All right, I'll give you my rundown on the the Big Ten. Starting with Coach of the Year, uh, it's really a three-man race in the Big Ten for this award. It's uh, one between Chris Holtman, Juwan Howard, and the the coach from Illinois. I, I think the coach from Illinois is actually already kind of out of out of the picture just because their team was was picked to be number one overall. It's it's so it's a race between uh, Juwan Howard and Chris Holtman, who are both actually picked uh, I think sixth and seventh respectively in the Big Ten in the preseason. So I, I got to give this probably to Juwan Howard. He, he's taking a team that was picked in the in the middle of the Big Ten and has them at number two in the nation, only two losses on the season. I, I think that that's, says it all right there. I, I think he probably takes home the coach of the year in the Big Ten. I think the uh, player of the year in the I Big, like that pick. <laughs> I, I know you and Colton do. <laughs> but uh, So I think the, the player of the year in the Big Ten, I think that goes to Iowa's Luca Garza. He's up there. He's up there in the wooden watch list as well. He's averaging 24 points a game, two assists, and 8.4 rebounds a game. So he, he's just well-rounded, playing playing great all season long. Uh, I think uh, the most improved player in the Big Ten, I think I would have to go with the EJ Liddell, the Buckeyes. He he didn't play a lot last year. He came off the bench. He was the backup and just didn't do a ton. This year he's rounded into one of the best players in the Big Ten. He's averaging 16 points a game, 1.3 assists, and 6.7 rebounds. He's really been a force for the Buckeyes, and he just keeps getting better each and every week. Yeah, I agree with that pick as well, Matt. He even he even started out the season kind of quiet. You know, you didn't hear a lot, but I tell you what, down the stretch, he has been an absolute monster. And then uh, the defensive player of the year, uh, I lost his name. I, I forgot to write it down, but it's, it's the big out of Minnesota. He's averaging almost three blocks a game, and he's really been a force in the middle for for Minnesota. And he's he's helped kind of bring them back into some relevance in basketball. And uh, it looks like they'll probably make the tournament this That's year. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for the Gophers. Yeah, so I'll, I'll wrap it up here then with the, with the SEC. Uh, for me, player of the year is uh, freshman guard Cameron Thomas from LSU. Uh, he's averaging almost 23 points per game uh, and, and shooting almost 88, 88% from the free throw line. So 
good for him. You know, a freshman taking home that award. He's he's really stood out among uh, all the players. And then coach of the year is uh, Nate Oates from Alabama. This is one of his, uh, you know, first years at Alabama. And uh, they're sitting at 20 and 6, 15 and 2 in the SEC and uh, sitting at a number eight ranking right now. So, you know, hats off to him. Uh, they, they started off the season a little rocky, but uh, they, they they turned it around when it came conference time. So um, most improved, I got DJ Stewart Jr. from Mississippi State. Uh, he's averaging almost 16 points a game up from eight and a half from last year. So almost double, doubled his points uh, production and uh, averaging 3.1 assists uh, up from 1.6 assists last year. So doubling his assists as well. So He's not just scoring, but he's also allowing his other teammates to score as well. So, you know, hats off to him. Um, defensive player of the year, I got uh, Herb Jones uh, from Alabama. He's got uh, about two steals a game, you know, good for fourth in the conference and uh, about a 90 defensive rating, which is good for third in the conference. So, you know, I think he's going to take home that defensive player right. of the year award. Okay. We got five teams that we picked for uh, to discuss whether they're in and out in the big dance this week or you know how they're going to fall if, the, if they're going to if the committee's going to give them a going to give them a shout but uh the, you know obviously the list isn't uh all all inclusive because we still got a couple games left and we have the conference tournaments to play out yet so there's still a lot of good basketball to be played but let's go we'll go one at a time and uh we'll start with Xavier Colton in or out and why for me out they are 13 and six, which is, you know, decent record overall, but they're sitting at six and six in their conference. Their, their best win is a, you know, a home win against uh, number 13 Creighton. And that just happened, you know, a week or so ago. So for me, they don't have the quality wins right now. I'm not saying that they can't, you know, make it, but right now, if I, if I'm making a decision right now, they're, they're out for me. I got to agree with Colton on Xavier. I got them out as well. They lost to Georgetown. <laughs> Last, I think it was last night. Yeah. Georgetown's only 10 and 11. Uh, wow. That I just, I, and they've been up, you know, the perennial contender. You always see Xavier somewhere in that middle of the pack when it comes to the seedings. But I, I, this year, I got Xavier on the outside looking in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just think that with their record right now and considering they're playing with the Big East, which obviously isn't that uh, good of a conference anymore, I just don't see how they can get in this year. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with everybody else. I, I think Xavier's out. They just don't don't have the big wins to deserve being in the tournament. Holy mackerel, we agreed on something. <laughs> yeah, I don't see wow. that very often. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's go with uh let's go with Georgia Tech next. Colton in or out. Uh so I, I was even in in with them even before they, you know, beat Duke last night. Um so they're they're sitting at 14 and 8, 10 and 6 in the in the conference. And you know, good for Georgia Tech. They they've been down here, you know, recently last decade or so. They just haven't had the talent there, but they're really playing well this year. They got a very good win on the road against number 16 at that time, number 16 Virginia Tech. Um, you know, so I think that they've done enough right now to to say in. Okay, I got Georgia Tech in as well. Uh, like Colton said, 10 and 6, 14 and 8, and they've won five in a row. So yeah. they're peaking, you know, here at the end of the season. So, you know, we'll see if, if the, if, you know, them not being a favored name, if that has anything to do with it. But in my opinion, uh, Georgia Tech gets in. Yeah, they've won a bunch of uh, ranked games. I was surprised at, or ranked at the time because they beat 20 Kentucky, North Carolina when they are. North Carolina when they were in rank, but I still consider that a big win for them. 20th uh, Clemson, 16th Florida State, and 16th Virginia Tech. Like you said, Rob, they're on a uh, five-game win streak. I definitely think they get in just from a uh, schedule and uh, record alone. 
All right. Man, I guess we're all going to agree again. I, I've got them in as well with wins right, over good. Duke, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Clemson, and Kentucky. It looks mighty strong. That's a pretty good resume. All right. Very good. Let's uh, tell me Mississippi State. Matt, we'll start with you this time. Mississippi State, in or out? Yeah, Mississippi State coming in. Uh, they're 13 12 overall, and I, I've got them out. They only have one big one on the season. That's against Missouri, and that's not even that big of a win. They have not much else in their resume. I think they're out. Yeah, to go on with that, no wins against ranked opponents, like you said. I just I don't see how in the world you could be 13 and 12, no big wins, and still make it. I have them out too. Wow, three for three. I got Mississippi State out as well. Uh, they beat a Missouri team that wasn't even ranked at the time, and that was clear back on January 5th. So no wins over a ranked team. I got Mississippi on the outside looking in. Yep, I'm going to make it perfect four for four here, too. Uh, I got them out as well. Uh, they have a real bad loss against Vanderbilt, who was six and ten. Yeah. He's sitting there at the bottom of the conference. I yeah. think they've won they maybe one or two games in the conference. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, they, in the, yeah, like I said, Dad said they, it wasn't even close. They didn't even come close in that game. So, yeah. that that's a bad blemish on their record. I got them out. All right. Let's uh, start with you, Braden. Texas Tech, in or out? I think they're in. They've beat uh, Texas twice. They have a close game with Houston. Uh, they beat Oklahoma. They've also they were right there with Baylor. Eight only lost by eight and won to West Virginia. Matt McClung is on an absolute tear right now, and uh, I think they're they're showing that they should be in. And right now they're ranked, so I don't see why they couldn't be. I, I agree with you, Braden. I got Texas Tech in. Um, not only the the three big wins that they had against. Um, ranked teams at that time but in since since january 13th texas tech has played eight ranked teams wow yeah and now now they're only three and five in those games but right they've only lost by a total of six points in those five mm -hmm. losses to yeah. ranked teams so yeah i think i think texas tech gets in i think i may even put them on like i'd say probably the 11 line yeah yeah, no, I think uh, I, I'm going to agree. They're, they're in. For me, I was struggling to find a bad loss for them. Right, when I, right. When I was going through their schedule, uh, I mean, they lost to a 7-2 and two Oklahoma State team. Yeah. That, that was the best I could do. But uh, Yeah, and look at all Oklahoma State right now. Right, right. And, and now tearing Oklahoma State is tearing it up. So, you know, for me, uh, it, they're, they're in. Yeah, I, I guess we're going to have uh, no dissension in this segment because <laughs> Texas Tech, I, I got them in as well. Oklahoma twice, Texas twice, and they've been competitive in all their other games, really. I mean, they just they have a good resume. They've played well. They deserve it. All right. One team left in the Big Ten, Michigan State. Colton, in or out? Right now, I got them in. I know that's uh, – I struggled with this one. This one was definitely probably the hardest of them. I struggled with it. I, I got them in right now. Uh, they, they've done enough for me here in the last couple of weeks to kind of make that push. Now they took a, you know, kind of a step back when they lost, you know, here recently to Maryland and, you know, Maryland's another bubble team there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they, they didn't look good in that game at all. So I got Maryland in. Yeah. By I, the way. I, I, I think, uh, you know, Michigan state, I think they've done enough, you know, those two top five wins here in the last couple of weeks. I think they, they, they have, they're, they're right there on the bubble. They still have some work to do. I think they're not a shoe in, but uh, at the moment I'm, I'm saying in Matt. Yeah. They're actually the only team in the country with two wins over top five opponents. I, I think that goes a long way in getting them in. And I, I got, I got them in as well. Wins over OSU, Illinois, Rutgers and Duke. That resume doesn't look so bad as it did just a few weeks ago. Yeah, like you guys said, beating Ohio State and Illinois, I think that definitely pushed them over the edge for me. 
And also, I I truly believe they're playing in the best conference in basketball right now. I think the Big Ten is stacked with teams. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think about any of them could be in, with the exception of Minnesota, or actually including Minnesota. I think everybody who can make it in there, and I would definitely put Michigan State in. Well, I'm going to be the descending boat. <laughs> I got the, I got the Spartans on the outside looking in, and I'll All tell right. you why. All right, they got two games left, yes. both of them against Michigan. Yes, we know Michigan is an elite team right now <laughs> in the Big Ten. So even if they were to split with Michigan these last two games, that only puts them at nine and ten in the conference. How do you put a team in that's got a losing record in their conference? How do you leave a team out with what would have three top five wins? I just, I, I just can't put them in though. You can't, you can't base their whole season on three games. Yep, they got to yep. do better in their own conference, and that's if they win. You know, one game. You know, they would finish up nine and eleven if they split with Michigan. If they lose both games to Michigan, they finish up eight and twelve in their conference. I just, I just can't put them in, and they don't play well on the road. They're three and seven on the road. So, you know, I, I just got Michigan State on the outside looking in right now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. We'll see how those two games, you know, back to back against you know Michigan goes. But uh, you know, it, yeah, they're playing for their tournament lives right now. Let's uh. Let's get into the NBA here real quick. We're going to go over our um, best team in the East, best team in the West, who we think will win overall, and our MVP and our biggest disappointments. We did this earlier in the season. I'll lead off. Um, I changed in the East. I had the, the Milwaukee Bucks coming out of the East. But I'll tell you what, the Nets are coming. Look behind you because here they come. They're only, get, they're only half a game behind Philly right now. Um, they're hitting their stride. James Harden is lighting it up. You know, he had a phenomenal game the other night, a tr uh, triple-double with zero turnovers, first time in history that's ever been done. So I uh, I got the I got the Nets coming out of the East right now, and I also changed in the West. I got Utah. You know, we uh, we talked about them in the last week's show. They'd won, what, 11 games in a row, 20 of uh, the last 21. Now they kind of came back down to earth a little bit, but they're still up three and a half games, and they're uh, – They've won nine out of their last ten still. So I got Utah coming out of the West. I I, I think the Lakers are still going to be there. I think they're they're coasting right now, kind of. Uh, yeah. Just you know, it's the NBA, so not every game matters as much as they try to tell you it does. It doesn't. And I still got Luca as my MVP, and I still have the Pelicans as my biggest disappointment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for me. You know, my favorites to win the NBA Finals, still still the Clippers. I still like the Clippers, that Los Angeles team. They're still playing, you know, well, 24 and 13, fourth in the West. So I still like them. They have just a, a, a good lineup to, to guard, uh, you know, a bunch of different players. So I like the Clippers, you know, coming out of the West. Uh, MVP, like Dad said, uh, I still got Luka Doncic. He's averaging almost a triple-double uh, for the team and really carrying that Dallas team. They're kind of a disappointment. Um, but that's the only thing that's going to hurt him is he's playing on a bad no team right yeah, now. Yeah, so Dallas going to have to improve to really, you know, give him a real high chance. But, uh, you know, I, I think Luke is going to – can't ignore it. his numbers. Right, right. So my most surprising team, I, I've changed it. I was, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers. They've kind of come back down to earth. No kidding. They were 8-7 and seven at the time. They're now 14-21, and 21, sitting at uh, 12th in the East. So my most surprising team now is the New York Knicks. Yeah. They are fourth in the East. They're sitting at 518 and 18, fourth in the East. This is the best start the Knicks have had in 
decades, so, people, so, decades. decades. And I'm saying they're fourth in the East. They're not fourth in the East picking fourth in the NBA draft. <laughs> yeah. right they're yeah. fourth in the East in the standings. And a lot of people uh, poo-pooed the Derrick Rose pickup, but he's actually come in and played oh, pretty well for them. And, uh, you, know, well, you know, what really impressed me, the Knicks are getting it done on the defensive end. They are actually giving up the least amount of points in the NBA it's right crazy. now. crazy. Uh, you would, you, you would have never thought the Knicks. Yeah, no. yeah, I mean, nobody even knows who plays for the Knicks anymore. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're the most surprising team for me now. Uh, you know, when we did this a couple of weeks ago, most disappointing team was the Toronto Raptors. They, they've kind of corrected themselves. Um, you know, at that time, they were 6-9, and 12th in the East. They're now 17-17, and 17, 7th in the East. So they've kind of corrected things. So for me now, the most disappointing team has to be the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they're sitting at 15-20, and 20, 11th in the East. I just can't figure out, you know, why they, you know, can't make a push. They got such good talent, young talent on that team. You know, they just recently fired their coach on Monday. So they're, you know, basically restarting again. So we'll see if they can get it corrected. But, you know, I, I think that they're a contender to be a playoff team, but they just can't can't find it right now. All right. Well, my previous picks uh, for the for the finals, I had two two coming out, two teams that I thought like coming out of the East were the 76ers and Celtics. And, and I'm sticking with the two for right now. I, the Nets, the Nets are making me think long and hard, but I'm still I'm still sticking to those two right now coming out of the East. Uh, my choices previously coming out of the West, I had the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, either of those I like, and uh, I'm, I'm sticking with that as well. I, I think their experience will overcome the youth of the Suns and the Jazz. My MVP, I had a bunch of different people I talked about as potential MVPs, uh, but one I talked about was LeBron, and I'm sticking with that as my top choice. I, I think uh, Donovan Mitchell's coming into the mix, but I, I still think LeBron will ultimately take it. Uh, my biggest surprise of the year was the same as my biggest disappointment early on. It was the Brooklyn Nets, and you know, they've really righted the ship, so they really don't fit either of those categories now. So now my biggest surprise is the Utah Jazz. They, they have the best record in the NBA, and they're playing like a real contender for the championship uh, after a team that could have been potentially broken up last year. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's a big surprise. My biggest disappointment has to be the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they're yeah. at 500 right now. They were a team that was in the NBA championship and winning it a few years ago, and now they're barely in the playoffs. Yeah, for me uh... – my prior picks coming out of the West and obviously and uh, going on to win it. I had the Lakers and I'm actually going to stick with that. I think once AD comes back, the Lakers going to be a force to reckon with right now uh, in his absence and a couple other guys. I think it's kind of rough for the Lakers and uh, the MVP. I think I I had a uh, Jokic before he's average. He was averaging uh 27.6 points per game, 11 rebounds and 8.6 uh, assists per game. He's currently still keeping those averages up. He's right. Uh, his rebounding's actually went up to twelve point, or twelve rebounds a game, and his assists have actually went up to nine point three. I still think that he's going to be the MVP. And my previous most surprising team was the Cavs. They were uh, eight and seven. Now they're sitting at fourteen and twenty-one. And now I actually change them to the uh, Hornets. Actually sitting at sixteen and eighteen. They're in the eighth seed right now. I think the uh, play of uh, Oh, Mellow Ball has really shocked everyone. Coming out of high school and uh, playing in the Australian League, I think a lot of people thought he was overrated, but honestly, he's shown he uh, belongs in the NBA. And then my disappointing team previous was the Heat. They were 6-9, and nine, and now they're 17-18. and 18. Now i got to go with Houston. They're on a 10-game losing streak, 14-22. and 22. I figured the uh, backcourt of Oladipo and Wall would have some kind of connection, but it's just proven to be an absolute – uh disaster in houston right now yeah all right we're gonna real quick we're just gonna give uh the our winners of the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest 
I got uh, Zach Levine winning the three-point contest because he's won the slam dunk con- contest twice, so he knows how, what it is to perform on the big stage. And uh, in the slam dunk contest, I got the Knicks, Obi Toppin. Yeah, I'm uh, for the NBA three-point contest. I got uh, you know a household name. I got Steph Curry. You know, one of the purest shooters of of this you know generation, probably. I think he's just gonna you know find that stroke, find that rhythm, and then knock it down. In the NBA dunk contest, I gotta go with my boy Cassius Stanley, a local Duke boy. Uh, you know, quick, quick fact about him: uh, when he was measured doing his vertical leap at Duke, he actually out jumped Zion Williamson. Yeah. We know how crazy Zion dunks the ball, how you know how high he can get up. Cassius Stanley, I think, is gonna put on a show. Um, you know, I'm taking him. All right, me for the three-point contest. I'm with, I'm with Colton on that one. I'm going with Stephen Curry. Uh, dunk contest. I'm with Rob. I'm going Obi Toppin. In the skills competition, I'm going with Luka Doncic. Yeah, uh, for the three-point contest, I'm actually going to go with Devin Booker. He's on an absolute tear, and I just I think he's going to tear it up out there. And he's actually won it before. And then for the uh, dunk contest, Onfrey Simmons. The kid can throw down. He when he gets in. He may not do a lot off the bench. He's still a contributor, and, man, he can get up. He has a crazy vertical. All right. Let's move on. Uh, big big talk in the NFL this week. Uh, I'm sure you heard about it. We're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals. Colton, give me your thoughts. Who 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 did better? Did J.J. Watt improve himself, or did the Cardinals improve, or both? I, I, I in, in my opinion, I still think the Cardinals overpaid. The, the guy is going to be 32 before the season starts. He's only played 16, you know, the full 16-game season twice since 2015. So the injury bug has really hit him hard here recently over the last four years. Uh, you know, I would have liked to see a team try to, you know, maybe lowball him a little bit and get him for, you know, 10 to 12 million, a little, you know, a little bit lower than what what he's getting, you know, almost 15, 16 million there. Yeah, with the 31 Cardinals. million over two years, 23 million, 23 million guaranteed. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, you know. The Cardinals are getting a quality guy. You know, I don't think that he's, you know, ever been questioned of, you know, his work ethic or anything like that. He, he's going to give you 110%. And, you know, pairing him with Chandler Jones, who has 97 sacks since being drafted in 2012, only person, you know, second to him is J.J. Watt with 90, some, 95 and a half. Right yeah, so, you know, it, you know, the interesting thing, though, for me is uh, the signing didn't change the Arizona Super Bowl odds. So, you know, typically when, you know, a team like this picks up a big player, the odds change a little bit, but they didn't change at all. So was it really a a, a big signing, a big need for the Cardinals? Yeah, I, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, good for JJ. He found a new home, you know, to get out of Houston. But, you know, I, I just don't know how this is going to play out in Arizona. Yeah, I, I don't know what JJ's doing here. I, I think this is more of a money grab than winning a championship like he said he wanted to do. Because it, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make Arizona any better. They were a top 10 defense without him, uh, so they may get up to a top six or seven, but it's not going to make them that much better. They had, what was it, 47 sacks on the season, 48 sacks on the season last year. He'll add a few, but that's not going to make that defense that much better. It doesn't make them a Super Bowl contender. They still have to go through the Seahawks and the Rams, and the Rams just made themselves a whole lot better. So, yeah, I just I don't see it. I, I got to disagree. I think the Cardinals got better. Uh, uh, with the controversy that's going on in Seattle right now with Russell Wilson, who knows how that's going to play out. The, the Cardinals went eight and eight last year. Yeah. That not very good, but their, their odds to win the Super Bowl didn't go up, but their odds to win the NFC West did go up. They were at a, but Vegas had them at a plus 700 before signing JJ Watt. 
And after they signed him, they went to a plus 2,200. So that jumped significantly. Um, you know, the, the relationship he has with the Cards defensive coordinator, that Vance Joseph, who was in Texas, I think that might have played into it. I think he likes uh, Coach Joseph's style of defense. So I think that might have played into it a little bit. And hey, who's going to turn down 31 million? No kidding. I think they uh, overpaid just, a, I think they overpaid. Like Colton said, he's almost he's going to be 32, and that's towards the end of his career. But the Cardinals' defense were ranked fourth in sacks last year and tenth in overall defense. I think when you add somebody as good as he is, if as long as the injury bug doesn't come up and bite him again, I think that they could be in the in contention to win the NFC. Period. I mean, you have one of the rising stars in Kyler Murray, and he showed last year almost 4,000 yards throwing. Also had 11 touchdowns on the ground. I mean. If you get him on offensive line and add other key pieces on the defense, I this could be a Super Bowl contender. When you can't double team Chandler Jones and, and JJ Watt both, so I think you know it's going to pay dividends. And I, did anybody see the press conference with JJ Watt? Uh, I, I saw a little bit of it. It went on for a long time. He really elaborated on a lot of the questions he was answered. But when they asked him what the one question, JJ, how much is left in the tank? He looked at it at the camera and said. There's a lot left in the tank. <laughs> yeah, like I said, there, there, there's never been any question. That He's a competitor. His, his you know, work, work ethic has been there. It's just can he stay healthy and, right. and you know, keep keep production going at, at staying healthy. That That's my only concern. And for him, I hope the Cardinals are a contender. I think J.J. deserves it. I'm leaving it at two words, Seahawks and Rams. <laughs> all right. Seahawks could – they, they might not have the quarterback, though. Why not go all in? Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's do a little NASCAR news while we got some time here. Yeah, so uh, this most recent race was uh, the Homestead in Florida, Dixie Vodka 400. <clears throat> this was uh, won by another surprise winner. The first three races have been also big surprises. Uh, William Byron getting his second career victory in the number 24 car. Uh, he's followed in the standings by another young gun in Tyler Reddick. And uh, Michael McDowell showing he wasn't just a fluke in the Daytona. He, he finished up there in the top 10. Uh, <clears throat> another rough race for the Jordan Racing Team. As Bubba Wallace finished 22nd, he is not showing out so far. Jordan can't be happy. Uh, next race up will be in Las Vegas for the Pennzoil 400. Yeah, it is early, I know, for Bubba, but he is he is 16th in the points. So, you know, he, he's getting enough points by you know he led some laps at the Daytona, so he picked up some bonus points there. He's starting 23rd this week in Vegas. Uh, the number 23 team starting 23rd. Maybe that's a it would uh, be an omen. That could be an omen. Maybe this this will <laughs> be his week in, in Vegas. Uh, you got Harvick on the pole, and uh, Denny Hamlin leading the points right now. He's starting in sixth. But to me, I I I think Denny Hamlin's probably the favorite to win this. He's really running that car. They got that car running well, and he's driving really well. So I look for uh, Denny Hamlin to win the Las Vegas Pennzoil 400 this weekend. I'll tell you though, NASCAR seems to be going the way of these young guns here lately. The young guys have been finishing at the top. They really do. Some of the yeah. Some of the more seasoned veterans have been middle to back of the pack. It's uh, it might be a whole new. I think that's good look for the for popularity in a dying sport. Yeah, though. I think yeah. that yeah, that's probably good for the sport, getting some younger, you know, generation, so you know, people to to win some races to you know, that, possibly draw in the crowds. And I think that's why you know we keep bringing up the new race team with Michael Jordan. I think you know bringing some uh, breathing some new life into a sport. You know, so I, I think that's one of the reasons we kind of focus on Bubba Wallace and that twenty three team. So. 
Well, that's the end of our broadcast for tonight. Uh, we hope you turn in, uh, tune in next week. We're going to be coming at you live on Tuesday next week at 7.15 from the studios here in Central Ohio. Colton's got a quick message for you, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you sports fans later. Yeah, guys, if you uh, enjoyed the show tonight, uh, be sure to tune in live next week. Uh, you can find us on Podbean. Um, you know, we, you can find our show there and you can actually listen to the show live and, uh, you know, comment in the section, ask the guys questions, you know, give us, you know, feedback so that, you know, we know if we're doing a good or bad job. So, you know, next week, follow us. Uh, you know, also, we got a Facebook page and an Instagram. So check us out. And, uh, you know, we hope you tune in next week. Thanks, guys. See ya.